strong women, smart policy, solid theology, and no apology. This is Concerned Women Today with Penny Young Nance, CEO and president of Concerned Women for America, the largest public policy organization for women in the nation. Hi, everyone. I'm Penny Nance, CEO and president of Concerned Women for America, and welcome to Concerned Women Today. March is over, but the madness seems to be continuing. Transgender activist and female impersonator Dylan Mulvaney prances around in dresses and has become a social media star, and he's landed yet another sponsorship, this time with Bud Light and Nike. These organizations have apparently lost touch with their demographic as the majority of American people are scratching their heads wondering where all this crazy came from. The good news is that Concerned Women for America is fighting the crazy. We're fighting the gender ideology craze that seems to have taken hold of our culture, telling children a lie that they were born in the wrong body. On Wednesday, Indiana and Idaho joined about seven other states in banning gender-affirming care for minors, a major victory for the fight to protect kids. Joining me today to, to really discuss the policy implications, the health implications, the things that are just absolutely going haywire in our nation is our trusted advisor, senior advisor, Doreen Denny. Now, Doreen Denny has been an outspoken voice about this issue for over five years. Doreen was walking around Capitol Hill explaining to congressional staffers what the word gender in legislation meant um, when it was entered into a bill by the left. Um, and, you know, I can tell you that when she would explain the issue, the transgender issue, to many Republican young staffers, they would look at her like she was crazy because they had never heard this before. So welcome, Doreen. Thank you for being a voice. Uh, sadly, what you said was prophetic. And now everyone knows, right? Everyone knows. And, and we are at a point where all over the country, um, young children are being um, given cross-sex hormones. They are being... Um, given mastectomies, they're having genital mutilation to the point where we're seeing this unwind in front of our eyes. So can you talk a little bit about what is happening in the States? What started, how we got here, and what's the next step? Well, Penny, first of all, it's just a delight to be with you, and, and it's been such a privilege to be a part of CWA's team uh, these last five years. And I never knew when I joined CWA, I'd be spending so much of my time trying to defend just what it means to be a woman. But right. here we are. And I think, as you point out, most insidiously, this has impacted our children tremendously. Um, you know, a few years back now, we started on this craze, really, of trying to con convert children to, under to believing that they could be born in the wrong body. We were talking about the Equality Act at a time when in the federal government about adding in the concept of gender identity being really a definition for sex, that biology no longer really matters, that it's a person's perception of themselves um, that matters, and that young children now, um, whereas we thought kind of this concept of gender fluidity or transgenderism was something that somebody might have for a time, there was some cases, very rare instances where children were dealing with confusion around their sex, um, but they usually grew out of it at the time that they hit puberty. 
but now we were just in, uh, embracing this as a normal, healthy experience of children to be redefining themselves, to be looking at the genderbred person or a gender unicorn and deciding whether or not they were more like a boy, more like a girl, something in between, and starting to have this be the conversation um, that our kindergartners would undertake. Mm -hmm. um, and what does this has this led to? It's led to a tremendous confusion in our culture around normal development of children who are, of course, we're all, we all fail some, face some kind of crisis, identity crisis, confusion, mm, right. or, or questioning about just as we're growing and the developmental stages that we have to kind of put on our identity. What does that mean? Well, now we're saying that the fundamental question of whether or not you're a boy or a girl or something in between is yours to make. And, and that's a fundamental uh, part of what you need to decide. And this has led from just the idea of social transitioning of kids trying to kind of put on these identities for a time to directly into the medical world, embracing kids saying, yes. now you have to affirm them at any time they identify themselves in a different context and that could be incongruent with their normal biology, that that is who they are. And so we need to start puberty blockers, start cross-sex hormones. And unfortunately, the devastation has been that this is an ideology accepted by mainstream medical advocacy organizations, uh, undergirding doctors that want to practice in this area of, you know, fairly lucrative uh, medicalization and and bullying parents to think that they can't actually make the right decisions for their kids, which is hold back, let's wait and, and help children deal with underlying issues they might be having and stop this train of medicalization, which is harming so many today. You know, that's 100% correct. So you, you kind of give us the history there. We, of course, there have always been people throughout history, throughout time, who have um, have struggled with gender identity. Um, and it's always been something that, you know, has existed. And there's been, you know, medical professionals who have been concerned about it and recognized it as being a real mental health issue. And certainly there's that sort of side within the LGBTQ community that, you know, we heard a lot about drag queens, although we always knew they existed, but they weren't doing story hour <laughs> until recently. But what happened was you had this small group of people, and by the way, by their own uh, admission, the Washington Post says that there, it is less than half of 1% of Americans are struggling with gender identity, whether they are transgender, whether they're, they're um, tr transitioning, you know, depending on, you know, where they are in the spectrum that it's only one half of 1% or less. Um, so you always had that group and you went from when you're dealing specifically with children, with people taking the um, approach of let's wait and see. And we know that over 80% by the time they get through puberty, they've worked it out and they, you know, they, their mind has caught up with their body and they aren't looking for any kind of a, a sex change. But now we have gone, and I, this is what it's very difficult for people to understand. How do we go from that, where now you have almost all the medical, uh, largely respected medical organizations saying, and, and we have some now that are starting to walk that back, right, and, and peel off of that, but saying not only is this real, 
But if you are a parent and you do not affirm their new identity and start to give them cross-sex hormones and then, you know, follow it all the way through to this logical end where you're actually doing surgery, then you are increasing your chances of your child committing suicide and this is your fault and you've got to, you know, you have to go along with it if you love your child. And we have now decided at by the educational establishment that it's a good thing. And let's start asking kids, or let's, let's make sure that our kindergartners are struggling with the, this question. How did we get here? You know, how do we get from, we recognize that this happens sometimes, it's a rare thing. You know, we, we are worried about these people. Let's pray for them. Let's help them. Let's get them counseling too. It's a good thing. And let's make all kids contend with this question. Well, it's a good question. How do we get here? But we can't take politics out of it and polit political ideology that was really focusing around identities. Um, and so, you know, many will look and see the reason we've seen it rapidly happen so, you know, in the so rapidly in the last yes, five years very fast. is because yes. we have a political uh, machine that really wants to I, uh, uphold or or elevate the idea of identities as being um, and and discrimination in sort of the next what you call the next horizon on non-discrimination or anti-discrimination efforts, civil rights efforts, uh, has, has just has embraced this whole trans movement as its next is its next frontier. And so um, and I, I, I don't think you can disconnect the political power and and what people are trying to to gain from that as a matter of identity. But more insidiously than that is it where where that can lead. Um, you know, whenever we suggest that somebody's rights are based on their self-professed and, and self-defined identity, you can't enforce laws that are based on objectivity. So, no, we no longer have sex discrimination that's now protecting women in prisons uh, or, you know, sex protections based on sex because any man that says he's a woman will now get transferred into the female prison in many states. And so, you know, the, the erosion of where that happens, then if we have laws that then are just based on, you know, your own ideas of yourself or, or the fluctuating uh, whims of culture, uh, that can lead to any number of further kinds of claims down the road that might benefit certain populations who are looking for these more progressive ideas to defend their own points of view. And that gets into areas that, that are very dangerous in the area of sexuality, you know, sexual consent among minors, if, whether or not pedophilia is a sexual attraction or just another sexual orientation. Um, all of these kinds of things start to be opening the door to, you know, to new frontiers. And I think that's why this is, is dangerous um, and, and why we have to put a stop to it and why so many states now really are stepping up to say, this is an ideology that's dangerous and we've got to do the right thing to protect kids because these other so-called trusted organizations are not doing it for, for them. That's right. Well, and you know, there are, let's not be blind to the fact that there is a large financial incentivization for these surgeries to happen, for these treatments to happen. And, you know, kind of Absolutely. back of the envelope, I'm told it's like $120,000 for the surgery, but not just that you're a lifelong patient. You know, you yes. have to continue with the cross-sex hormones and continue with the care. So a child who, 
you know, says today I'm, 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 I started out as a boy, but today I'm a girl. It's not just that simple. It, even, even a one-time surgery isn't enough. It's continual uh, work and care and, and medicalization throughout their life. And, you know, certainly medical professionals see this and see the profit for that. And, you know, we know our old enemy, our old nemesis, Planned Parenthood has gotten in on the, on the game. They, they have, and they, and very early on, in fact, and I think uh, you're right in terms of the, 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 the profit motive, the incentive, uh, the dependence that comes with that. Um, again, if we, the other thing that's going on is the division and the dividing between parents and their kids. So, you know, uh, now we're having laws that in some liberal states that are trying to shield kids to make these decisions for medical treatment for themselves and then not having parent consent in these areas. We know that that's an, a very big issue also in the, in the, in the case of protecting life and abortion. And so this division between putting a wedge between parents and their children, not letting schools, not letting parents know that their kids are going by a different identity at school. Um, all of these kinds of tactics that really, um, tried to erode the rights of parents in raising their own children. That's a whole nother area here. So you've got the corporate incentives, you've got the medical incentives to lifelong treatment. You have the, the capacity to, to have children be their own um, you know, consenters and then dividing that role from the parents so that schools have a larger role to play in kids' lives. Um, and and on down the road, and and you know, and we see this now too with just the like you said, the whole new avenue for whether it's clothing or retail, I mean, or makeup or beauty, I mean, a whole mm -hmm. nother frontier of of you know potential customers, clients, and new kinds of products, and so all of this goes in. It's only a you know certainly an indictment on our own culture um, and and what drives us right as as uh, as humans but but more uh, more critically than that penny that this is a spiritual battle that That's we've right. seen waged that really does get to the very crux uh, as we as believers have if you know what did God say and if we can deny our creator our you know our creation mm, how we're created right. as male and female, we will deny our creator. And, and so that we're feeling that very acutely in going forward in, um, in these battles really for our culture, for the hearts and minds of our kids. Um, and, you know, as we said, thankfully, we've seen a, a multiplying effort and momentum in the states this year. We've had nine states that have, have already passed uh, laws across the finish line. Uh, we had three previously mm -hmm. and, and we're moving into, you know, even the potential for more progress um, because areas are standing up and states and state let lawmakers are standing up to say this is never it's never possible for a child to consent to the lifelong harm right. and damage that comes from these kind of stopping their own normal development which in itself has immediate consequences to their development and their bones their brains their sexual organs everything and then beyond that trying to to have them lived in this deception that they they aren't who they are, that they've been born in the wrong body. And for some reason, they really aren't the the boy or girl that God created mm -hmm. them to be. Well, and you, I mean, that is so exciting that you now have, I think you said seven states and more are on the way that are passing legislation to protect children in their state, because they are understanding that it's a lie that you can 
suddenly take cross-sex hormones and there's not going to be actually damage to your body. And so that includes later on, they're finding, you know, damage like uh, infertility or, you know, young women, their voices drop and they can't mm -hmm. ever get it back. And certainly if there's a mastectomy, you're certainly never going to be able to nurse your kids. Um, and so you, we're seeing lawsuits to this effect. So a lot of things are changing, but I want to go back to what you're talking about on a spiritual front. Mm -hmm. This is an old trick. Satan has nothing new, right? His, all his, uh, his devices and all of his efforts are just the same old thing repackaged for an, another day. There's no creativity and evil. And so, uh, you know, it is again, the old lie and it's, it's Gnosticism, the idea that, you know, the human, that a human's spirit is separate from their body and you can do anything to your body and it doesn't impact you spiritually. That's one piece of it. But the even bigger picture, and I don't know why some pastors don't get this, at the very bottom of this ideology is the idea that God is not sovereign, that mm -hmm. if there is a God, he's prone to mistakes, and he somehow created a child. I mean, the whole idea of Psalm 139 is a lie that God knit us together in our mother's womb, and they were fearfully and wonderfully made. No, God made a mistake, and he put you in the wrong body. And so probably there's not a God, but if there is a God, then he just messed up when he made you. You are a mistake. That is at the very heart of the issue that is God sovereign? Is there a God? And if so, is he sovereign and loving? And ideologically, it is really taking our young children and teaching them a lie um, about their creator. And so, you know, we must, as Christians, react very powerfully against this. A woman named Rosario Butterfield, who I've read her book, she's a great writer. She's a wonderful speaker. She is, uh, she was a lesbian. She was in charge of uh, gender studies at Syracuse University. She was a tenured professor. And God radically saved her. She became a believer and she went through this journey in life in which she left her, her ideology, her mm -hmm. lifestyle. She uh, stopped having a same sex relationship. And this whole change was so um, complete and transformative that she ended up married to a, a, uh, a Presbyterian pastor and, you know, of course, left Syracuse and has a completely different life. She's been an amazing uh, mother, a foster mother, has done incredible things for the church. And she's spoken a lot about, you know, the church's, um, I, the reasoning and the way we need to deal with our LGBTQ neighbors and how we love them and how we minister to them. And so for a while there, her belief was that, um, that, you know, in order for a Christian to minister, that they needed to use the, the um, pronoun of choice when they were dealing with a transgender person, a neighbor or friend or family member. And she just recently put out a piece that said, um, and we'll, we'll put this up for anyone who wants to come to concernwomen.org to see it. She said, I was not only wrong, and she said, you know, I can blame it on the where I come from and my own trajectory and journey in life, but it was more than that. It was sin, and I repent, and I call on other Christians to come with me because in order to minister to someone, you can't meet them with a lie. You have to right. come to them with integrity and stand on truth and love them certainly 
completely with, you know, with your, all your heart, but you also cannot, you know, do a bait and switch. You have to be honest about what you believe and what God says and what God's word says. And so I just thought that was just so fascinating um, as people sort through this. I mean, people can be forgiven for making mistakes. It's hard to understand how to sort through this and how to best, you know, again, care for your neighbor, care for your friends, care for your family members as you uh, as you deal with this, you know, this change in our culture that happened so quickly. And so I, you know, I, I, I give her lots of grace on that because I do think it was a mistake. I don't think she set out to sin against God. She just recognizes that her ideology on this point was wrong. Um, but I, I also want to move into, so we were talking about the states. Um, we've seen a lot. We have over 20 states now that have passed legislation protecting women's sports. Mm -hmm. But some states have been slow to actually understand the medical issues here. Yeah, I think that they came, they came to cut kind of came after. So, you know, we had such a over three year period had such a progress in the states on women's sports and people understood that they understood mm -hmm. that the differences physiologically and biologically between male and female uh, that are natural, right? I mean, they're got they're immutable. They're, you know, mm -hmm. they start based on our XX and XY chromosomes, and they, right. they lead to all sorts of different ways in which our bodies uh, form that right. that in sports that really showed up. And so we and we were seeing some of the first um, frankly, the first harm come uh, in this ideology in, on the sport field, uh, you know, in track and, and, you know, college scholarships or mostly national championships. A couple of them had already been uh, awarded to males who were identifying as women. They were being, you know, heralded as the female athlete of the week and so forth. And so states got on that right away. What came second, of course, then was recognizing what was really happening in our schools um, and the curriculum that was starting to develop and, and teachers and, and parents understanding what was happening when they're, they were having their kids come home and now, you know, ask them questions or, or more concerningly have their daughters in many cases declare that they really were boys and, um, and wondering where that came from. And what we recognized is that the schools are, are having a big impact and, and had a big role in addition to social media, certainly uh, fomenting this in, in a lot of the lockdowns that we faced during COVID-19 where kids were getting their influences um, and, and learning that schools were actually having these gender transition plans going forward. That The first one of those came around 2016 in Chicago, and the federal government has been a partner all along in promoting the direction that this ideology has taken, uh, the federal government, and that is one, that's a major concern. And so, uh, you know, now we've got the states that are catching up here. And honestly, for to have three states last year, well, one state two years ago, three states, you know, a couple more add in last year, and then having nine states now already with governors signing and more on the way, um, it's almost taken a similar trajectory in terms of the, but it's a kind of a year or so behind where we mm -hmm. were with women's sports. And, and so I think that, you know, what we have to have in this area is restraint. You know, if doctors have got to be put in a position of having to make the, the best judgment, the right medical ethical decision and understanding that kids cannot consent, uh, which is the, the, the foundation that we have to understand in ethics and ethical practice. Uh, and also, I think what Rosario was, was recognizing was that 
calling somebody by a pronoun that was not congruent with who they were as a person in their in their biology, their physiology, their their natural self was was leading people not only them astray but was also condoning something that was not that was harmful that is social these kind of social what we call social transitions mm -hmm. are, are actually medical interventions they might not be clinical in the same way as is dispensing a drug or mm -hmm. a surgical procedure but they are adding to the mental reality of, you know we're not d divided our bodies and our minds and our spirits aren't supposed to be divided against right. one another we are supposed to to be whole beings in our creation. That's what God desires for us. That's how he's designed us. And so um, I think that that's the place we're going to see, continue to see progress in the states here. We hope federally as well. You know, a couple of years ago, as you mentioned, you know, people weren't even paying attention. They didn't even want to talk about these things. And now we almost have certain members of Congress kind of falling over themselves, trying to be the first one <laughs> to the yes. finish line to introduce their bill. And boy, that is sure is a welcome yes. uh, development and one yes. that we want to continue to see. We were surprised by that, weren't we? Because yeah. we, we went from Congress running away from it to under, embracing and understanding the importance of it and how, you know, how important it is to their constituents that their children aren't fed you know this this notion without their knowledge and um and creating chaos that should have never been there wouldn't have never been there um right so yeah i mean we had and we should remember we've had republicans that you know did not sign these pieces of legislation when they first came on their desk and either they're being um they're they're there's been an override of the veto or the next governor that comes in is actually cleaning up and taking care of business yeah that's right and in fact we're seeing that now even with the women's sports uh, bills this year that you know you had a republican governor veto it in uh in um you know, in one state, you have a Democrat veto it in another state. Um, thankfully, would made or or in some cases just not sign it. You know, so mm -hmm. they don't want to put them themselves on the line. They know they'll get overridden or something. And so, um, but we're having state legislatures, you know, stand up and saying, no, this is important. And and again, you know, at the state level, these representatives are the closest to the people and they're and who've elected them. So I think mm -hmm. that that is a fair reflection of really the sentiment of people. And when a governor gets overridden, he needs to take that seriously. That's right. Uh, you know, and, and so, um, you know, unfortunately we're going to have many states stand, stand on the opposite side. We still see, um, you know, this administration, the Biden administration is, is, uh, is cont continues to mm -hmm. threaten the future uh, in, in all of these areas with what they're doing in, on, on policy. Um, entering in and, and sort of uh, just um, propping up the the ideology that that so many are now trying to um, trying to combat and and you know the most important thing I think that's happening Penny is that that people are waking up uh, parents are waking up to this um, uh, much more so that people are having the courage now to stand up it only takes the first courageous one to stand up that's right uh, to have others follow and we certainly saw this with uh, Selena Sewell in the sports in this in the area of women's sports we're in seeing it in in Connecticut we'll see it with Riley Gaines standing up at the college level we're we're going to see more and more of this now with these um, you know heartbreak heartbreaking stories of young women who've recognized that they were were lied to and deceived and and went down a pathway that was damaging to their bodies and now coming out of you know we're calling them detransitioners or desisters yes, yes. let's talk about that they're beautiful okay, young let's ladies. talk about that so uh we're you know and it's not 
you know, Great Britain and some other countries are ahead of us in this, right? And so, and they're starting to pull back and, uh, you know, their national health services are no longer in participating in this because now they're having people are, who are now detransitioning. So I, I just recently, you know, read the testimony of a young woman who had started, I think, transitioning like around 13. She had uh, a mastectomy at 16. And by the time that was over, by the time she was 17, she realized she had made a mistake. And now she's detransitioning, but she's damaged her body and the health community has damaged her body. And, and now she's suing. So talk, let's talk a little bit right. about what, what that looks like people that are detransitioning. And then also what the fallout is for those who, you know, participated and told them that no one ever regrets it. Basically, I think they were told one to 2% of people regret it, which is made up nonsense. It's absolutely not true. Right. And the reason that it's not true is because these young women in most cases have been young women, um, at least 75% uh, say that, you know, that they're, that they have underlying issues that, that mental health challenges, depression, anxiety, there's a lot on the autism spectrum that are being drawn into this. And so what happens when they start down this road is that it's not solving their problems. Um, and unfortunately, too many of them are in a in a in a in a way that you know uncritically accepted this taking on this identity you know uh, declaration of of transition or I'm questioning this leading you know straight to just gender clinics saying oh well you must that must be true then and then you know after one yeah, appointment after that we'll little put them survey on right medicalization and then they'll go down within three months getting referrals for these kinds of procedures and 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 also these doctors and these clinics maligning any parent that doesn't isn't going along with the program and so bullying them and we have a new study out of Northwestern University of parents that that they surveyed these parents who've been in these situations and they absolutely this is what's been happening and um and they and the parents will you know say that it didn't solve our children's problem my, my child's issues um and so more and more we're seeing this and I think the important thing is, is first of all, for any young person that's gone down a path in any way of exploring this or, you know, put on a different identity and realizing that they, that they, that not to be ashamed, that this is just another outgrowth of other kinds of issues that young people face in their, in their crises. And that as we then get, give them the courage to be able to take a new look and to say no, to, to support them and help them recognize this but most of all the accountability needs to come down in the places that are enabling it not only enabling it but are fueling it and so it is very positive to see in the case of uh, chloe cole and then there's also been another young woman who's who's sued uh, for negligence for a provider a medical provider who gave the wrong really the wrong um kinds of medical advice it wasn't consistent there wasn't mm -hmm. the right kinds of approaches that were even considered appropriate for any situation that a med person dealing with medical or mental health issues would the, the you know the protocols that go through um and and we just heard this most acutely recently with a whistleblower that's from right clinic from st louis uh, talk about that a little Reed. bit yeah, mm -hmm. who was with the Washington University Gender Clinic under St. Louis Children's Hospital, who herself is uh, identifies in the queer community, is, is married to a person identifying as transgender. And she said, you know, I was there trying to help these children, believing in their case and their cause. And what she saw was medically and morally appalling. 
that the negligence of the doctors, the the quick kind of you know disregard for their their conditions, the recognition that there was a social contagion at play when five girls from the same middle school came in within right. the same couple of weeks, and just literally discrediting that entirely and starting them down this pathway. And those are the kinds of situations now that are promote that are prompting states to act. In this case, at the state of Missouri, it prompted the attorney general uh, to not only conduct an investigation, but to put down an emergency order to stop all treatments of this nature because of the cons consumer fraud that's being um, basically conducted through these clinics that are um, are you know proceeding in this kind of careless, callous, and reckless manner. And so I think we're going to see a lot of progress. I do feel that we're going to. That unfortunately, we're not going to U-turn as quickly as or in the place now where some of these European countries now are, because uh, we have so much of the momentum. And especially when you have an administration, you have the federal government through its agencies, whether it's the National Institutes of Health, the Center for Disease Control, uh, the HHS itself, you know, all of these programs that are pushing uh, insurers, pushing yes, and using the our money to do it, by the way, right, using exactly. our tax dollars in this horrific, um, you know, malpractice, honestly, of medicine Absolutely. and, and, um, and, you know, again, we're going to, we're going to get to the end of it and people are going to recognize, you know, how outrageous this behavior has been and the medical community, how they've behaved. And, um, and, you know, I, I just think about, I just think it'll be like people that, um, look back in time with Margaret Sanger and, and, and their view of racial purity. And um, I think right. I think this is going to be similar. My husband and I always say we think this is going to be similar to the eugenics movement. We think that and I believe that in, you know, not very long that we're going to look back and be horrified by what the medical community has done and how these poor children have been um, brainwashed and uh, mistreated, honestly, abused in some cases. Agreed. And I also want to say that it, I don't want to throw the entire medical community under the bus because we have uh, courageous uh, doctors, nurses, and, and even associations like the uh, Association of American um, Pediatric, well, it's physicians and surgeons that have come out strongly mm -hmm, against this, right. the American College of Pediatrics mm -hmm. and all of their network of doctors. Um, that, you know, is only growing, that have come out strongly against this. And I, I want to put in a plug, parents have got to be savvy about who they're taking uh, and who they're aligning themselves with in the medical community. And if you have a pediatrician that is aligning with the American Association of Pediatrics and not with the American College of Pediatrics, then you need to think twice. And Penny, I think that would be a great yes. thing to uh, to actually do is to help help people understand the difference here because um, because there are doctors that are standing up to say no. Uh, many of them have been threatened in their own licensing and practice to do that, right. to, to say no. And so it's been very difficult. And we know that our cancel culture wants to literally, um, you know, annihilate anybody that's not taking this cultural view of um, that, you know, we can, we should declare our own genders and that, you know, medical treatment for kids at a young age is perfectly fine and normal. Um, and, and we just need to say, we need to stand up against it. And so yes. 
Um, yes. So we're. I mean, and, and to the point, to that point, some states have passed laws that saying saying that um, psychological therapist cannot counsel a child to uh, have watchful waiting for the parents to have watchful waiting that um, no, you must always affirm. And so I, I am, you're right. We need to give credit where credit's due for people who are willing to stand firm, risk their licensure um, and penalties against them. And so thank God for those doctors and nurses who care about the patient and rec and see the truth. And many of them are believers that, you know, are willing to stand firm. Um, we're gonna we're kind of running out of time here, but I did want to get back to Dylan Mulvaney, and we've got a a little clip for people to understand who he is. Seventy five of being a girl, and I've been carrying around tampons and pads for the past two months, but I've actually never opened one up. So let's do it. Woohoo! I thought the letters stood for small, medium, and large based on the size of your Barbie pouch. But after a Google, I found out it's actually the level of your flow. So they're super regular and light. I guess my question is, which one do I carry around? The super? Because maybe if you have a light flow, you can still use a super. I don't know. Here goes nothing. So that was Dylan Mulvaney, who's an influencer, has been on a year-long path to transition from male to female and all of Hollywood. Uh, Jill Biden and many corporations are applauding him. He is, uh, you know, woman of the year and he is, you know, you, you name it. I don't know about you, Doreen, but I've never had one of these corporations reach out and, and ask me, you know, Hey, as a woman, what do you feel about this? So instead of actually partnering with someone who's been a lifelong, lifelong woman, they would prefer to give money to someone who is now transgender and is is basically a performance artist. Um, so here's a few of the companies that you should just know about. Bud Light. I mean, really? <laughs> Do they know who their customer is? Nike Women. I guess that doesn't surprise me too much. Advertising women's sports bras. That's what he's doing for them. Mac Makeup. Ulta Beauty. Tampax. Crest. I'm getting new toothpaste. Kate Spade. After Kate Spade sold the company, it wasn't as good anyway. Okay Cupid, which is a dating app. Urban Decay Makeup, which I liked their eyeshadow. In fact, I think I'm wearing it. I'm not buying any more. Walmart. Are you kidding me? Walmart has made a complete change. You know, they've done a complete 180. They were, you know, the the corporation that were the good guys and they they mostly had clientele that were like us, you know, and and many, you know, suburban or rural communities love their Walmart. And now they're not only paying for abortion travel for their employees, but they're also giving money to a transgender person, a biological man who parades around in a dress and has even dressed up as a little girl pretending to be um, Eloise. You remember Eloise? Well, now Dylan Mulvaney thinks he's Eloise. Um, oh, Rent the Runway. I'm canceling that too. And Charlotte Tilbury makeup, which I used to like. So, you know, some of these brands are, you know, places that I shopped and many of us shopped. And I think the point is at CWA, we're doing the naughty and nice list. We're letting people know about alternatives. And so, I don't know. I just kind of resent the idea that women are cast aside for the new shiny object, which is a man being a woman. And it really kind of ticks me off. Doreen, I think it's sexist. I think they think men are better at everything, including being women.
Well, and it's such a caricature. You know, that's what's insulting. I mean, I thought we got, I thought we progressed from this, right? That yeah. we understand that we no longer have to be sort of bound by sexual stereotypes that are only Hollywood driven and that women can express themselves and, and their abilities and their talents and their gifts and their appearances in ways that aren't just, you know, caricatured by somebody like Dylan Mulvaney. Um, but all of these, all of these companies on the bandwagon are looking for a big buck. They think that they're now, you know, reaching a new generation that somehow is being duped by all of are this. Are they? Like, and, is that and, really well, what Budweiser thinks? I think, thinks? I, I think I mean, time will tell. But no, I think that, I, unfortunately, uh, whatever experiment that they're on here mm -hmm. is only fueling um, the, the degradation of our culture on so many different levels. And as you said, you know, women are now the sideshow. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, being a woman is not good enough. Right. Being our own female uh, and, and, and our own feminine beauty isn't good enough anymore. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's it's it, it, it's insulting. We all ought to stand up against it. Um, anyone that's self-respecting is a woman that, you know, wants to send the message. Make it very clear, because I think that this, these companies are 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 really down, you know, are, are following the wrong path, certainly. And, and and it's one that we that really should should get us all um, pretty ticked off. Well, I think it shows spite against their own customer base. They don't like their customers. This isn't coming from the marketing department. This is coming from the C-suite. This is people who are working hard to appeal to the the leftist corporate ESG bankers and you know and so on and so forth. And so um, I think they're I hope their base recognize it. There shouldn't be a lot of tension, uh, especially to the Budweiser companies, you know, willingness to embrace this. And I and I hope it doesn't pay off for them. I hope they have to do what other companies have done and in other issues and say, you know, we're sorry. We're and apologize to their base because they honestly don't like their base. They are happy to offend their base. So anyway, well, we could go on and on about this. Mm -hmm. I just want to say thank you, Doreen. Thank you for the fact that you are working so hard on this issue. Our team is working with state legislatures to pass these bills that will protect women in sports, protect um, our children, and actually just draw attention to the issue and help parents to understand that if a doctor tells you that your choice is either having, um, you know, a, a biological girl or instead one that has transitioned to a boy, and if you, you know, if you don't go along, they're going to die is it's not real and it's not true. And certainly those children need help and we can't deny them the services and the love and the help that they need. So I, I just appreciate all you're doing, Doreen. Thank you for your work. You're an incredible, one of our incredible leaders at CWA. So thanks for this. This is an important topic. And I think we need to do more on it because um, uh, it looms large in our culture right now. And, uh, and so thank you for the time today. Thank you. God bless. This is all we have time for today. Thank you so much for following us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram, and also you know, make sure your friends all know about our podcast that concern women today. God bless.